Before we begin our Torah study, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai, Eloheinu melech ha'olam, asher kitshenu b'mitzvotah v'tzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. I want to share a few thoughts with you from the scriptures first, and then Rabbi Yuri will join me and we'll talk to you about plans that we have, strategic thinking that we have, and um, important news and information as well that you'll want to know about. This morning, I want to talk about useful fear. Can you say that phrase with me? Useful fear. Fear that is useful to us, and how to use fear for godly purposes so that you can be strong and prepared for the rapidly changing situations that we're facing and the many disruptions to our normal lives and our plans. It, let me just survey. How many of you are pretty certain that things are uncertain? Yeah. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. Well, we want to start... In the scriptures, in Exodus 31, you can turn there. And by the way, if you have a Bible with you, um, can you wave your Bible? I love, I love to see people who are actually opening up the scriptures. Paper Bibles are delightful, and so are digital Bibles. They're both useful. We want to start in Exodus 31. This week's Torah portion is a study in contrast and how the same skills and abilities could be used for good or for evil. And I want to focus this morning on a specific example, the ability to create metalwork and metal sculpture, the artistic and creative design, the craftsmanship, the technical creation of the work, and the skills in foundry and metallurgy, the smelting and the casting of metal. Now, those are technical skills, but in this Torah portion, and they are also artistic skills. But in this week's Torah portion, we have two different examples of how those skills and abilities are used. We're going to look at the first case, Exodus 31, starting in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, I have singled out Bezalel, the son of Uri ben Hur, Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God with wisdom, understanding, and knowledge concerning every kind of artisanry. And then pay special attention to verse 4. He is a master of design in gold, silver, and bronze. Let's name the metals. Gold, silver, and bronze. And it doesn't stop there. Cutting precious stones to be set, wood carving, and every other craft. So Bezalel has been set apart by the Lord. There is a holy call on his life to use artistic abilities. And we're going to look and take notice at least of the ability to design and work in, in metal, in gold, silver, and bronze. Now let's go to the second case. Exodus 32, the very next chapter, starting in verse 1. And the context is this. Moses has gone up to Sinai, and he's been gone too long as far as the people are concerned. 
when the people saw that Moses was taking a long time to come down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said to him, get busy. I like that translation, Stern's translation. Get busy and make us gods to go ahead of us. Because this Moses, the man that brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, are you out of your minds? No, don't you wish he did? If he had just had that courage, if he had just had that moral clarity. Instead, Aaron said to them, have your wives, your sons, your daughters strip off their gold earrings and bring them to me. Verse three, the people stripped off their gold earrings and brought them to Aaron. He received what they gave him. He melted it down. He made it into a shape of a calf. And they said, Israel, behold your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. So in the first case, these talents, these abilities to design, to create, to work in, in metal are used for the creation of furnishings for the tabernacle. In the second case, they're used for the creation of the golden calf, which is probably the most famous idol in Judeo-Christian history. When you think about the skills and abilities, in the first case, the set of skills, the set of abilities are used in service to God. But in the second case, they're used in spiritual service, but in a very different direction, not in service to God. In service to other spiritual powers. They are used to create an idol so that the people can worship an idol. Now, with that in mind, I want to talk to you about fear and how to make good use of it. And I want to see if I can lay out the connection. You can have a quality, you can have a character, you can have an ability that God has given you. And it can be directed in one way, and it can produce really good effects. It can be useful, it can be powerful in service to God. It can be used in another way, and it goes against the Lord. Even though it's a God-given ability, even though you've developed it, in a sense, the same abilities, the same capacities, if they're used not in service to God, but against God, then they produce really bad results. They produce terrible outcomes. And the same, I think my throat is a little bit dry. I am not sick, I want you to know that. <laughs> and I'm not allergic. <clears throat> I think I'm thirsty. But fortunately, I have water. And I would encourage you, always have water if you live in Florida. In the same way, fear can be, can be useful Fear is not always a bad thing. In fact, it can be extremely useful and important to us. And during this coronavirus pandemic, I, I started 
I have to say by thinking that I didn't want to be motivated by fear. In fact, last week we were talking to you. We're not, you're not, we are not full of fear. How many of you remember that? Yeah. Some of you don't remember. Are, are, <clears throat> okay. We don't want to be motivated by fear. That's true, but it's an overly simplistic statement. We want to be motivated by wisdom and caution, but I began to reconsider the subject when I approached it from a really different angle. I was watching the TV news here in Jacksonville, and they, they had like these special intro segments for everything that had to do with coronavirus. And it was, you know, like boom, boom, boom. No fear, just the facts. And maybe it's because I saw that so many times it started annoying me. I'm not sure. But I started reconsidering this, this question, and I started asking another question. Well, what kind of fear is useful, and what kind is not? And, and today I want to consider fear that is useful, and we'll start with an obvious example that most believers could quickly recognize, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord, the scripture says, is the beginning of wisdom, right? And so if you say no fear is useful, you'd have to remove that one. But you would never do that, right? So today, right now, it's easy to say at least one kind of fear is useful. I'm going to go through just four types of fear that could be useful to us, but you can come up with even more. Because you can think, for instance, if you have a parent, if you've ever raised young children, a child who has no fear about running into the road is going to be in danger, right? People who have no fear about hot stoves have to learn a painful lesson. So if you just think in that direction, very quickly you can come up with some examples of useful fear at different times in your life. But I want to start with the fear of the Lord because it's a foundational thing. We want to have a healthy fear of God. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's the foundation of wisdom for us. Now let's go to the second example. Fear that leads us to prepare is useful. Fear that gets our attention because we recognize a true danger. And this kind of fear is useful when it leads us to prepare. In fact, it may give us extra power to do all that's required to help us focus on preparation. And it's important when there are dangers and there are threats, when there are even the possibility or the probability, not the certainty of those things, it's important to prepare. How many of you are glad that Noah prepared? I'm particularly glad. I would not be here had he not. But even if I were here, you wouldn't be here. Actually, none of us would be here. The fact that he prepared was historically important for humanity, and it was significant for God's spiritual plan for all of human history. He prepared. Now, what if someone says, well, I'm just going to trust the Lord. I don't need to prepare. Would that have worked for, uh, for Noah? No, because trusting the Lord meant preparing. Correct? 
How many of you get that? Okay. Now, I want you to use that for a moment. If you've got any remnants of false theology that thinks that preparation is against faith, I just want you to attack that false theology for yourself and renounce it. I don't want to be ruled by false theologies that create false choices between things. Preparing, in Noah's case, was faith. If Noah said, well, I'm a man of faith, I'm just going to trust the Lord and not do this other stuff. You know what? He would not be a man of faith. He would be a man who is making up conditions of what he wants to do rather than doing what the Lord said. Faithfulness to God requires what? Obedience to the Lord. If, if Noah applied his, his wishful thinking, he would be headstrong, foolish, at very best, and disobedient in every case. Thank God he didn't do that. Thank God he demonstrated for us the example of preparation as faith. Now here's the third example, fear that mixes with caution and with wisdom. And this kind of fear protects us because it keeps us careful in the face of danger and real threat. Mountain climbers and rock climbers know about this. They know it's important to have this kind of fear. It keeps them cautious. It protects them from making mistakes. It helps them because they're in a dangerous situation. And if they do not have such fear that recognizes the danger of their situation, they may act in a foolish way that actually produces catastrophe and could even, it could even cost them their lives. So this kind of fear protects people from mistakes and from carelessness. Caution and wisdom are not the same as disobedience to God. They're not the same as resistance to God. We serve the God of wisdom. That is why the scripture teaches something. Whoever lacks wisdom should ask God for wisdom because God will freely give it without rebuke. In other words, when you don't have wisdom and you don't know what to do, God will never shame you because you come to him honestly and say, I don't know what to do, I don't know how to do it. I don't have wisdom for this situation. He may not give you directly the wisdom, he may connect you with someone else who has the wisdom. But in every case, it will be the Lord's answer because he will freely give it to you. Well, here's the fourth example of useful fear. It's fear that reduces anxiety and worry, which are generalized usually and often associated with uncertainty and powerlessness. Have you ever just gotten caught in a mind loop of worry where you're worried about something and you decide, I'm not going to worry. And you really try hard. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to worry. Oh, I'm so worried. The effort will defeat you if that's what you try to do. Anxiety and worry are often very vague and generalized. Often they're unfocused. They're, they're not so specific. And in fact, they 
are often caused by or they're associated with uncertainty and with a feeling of powerlessness. I don't know what's going to happen, and I don't know what to do. But that unfocused anxiety, that unfocused worry, can be destructive and debilitating. You don't just overcome it by going into denial. Nothing's going to happen. I'm going to be fine. That won't necessarily help you. What will help you is to focus on the concrete things that you need to be afraid of. And then to think about, what am I going to do? What can I do? And to prepare and to um, get yourself ready for the most important things that you can get ready for. Now, we who live in Florida have some familiarity with this because it's not unusual for us to get a warning about uh, the possibility of a hurricane, even a hurricane watch. And these days, we can get a, a, a warning of some sort five days out, sometimes even longer. Sometimes 10 days out, we're tracking. How many of you have tracked hurricanes as they're moving uh, you know, through different places, possibly coming towards us? And so we have, we have this experience. And of course, you can say to yourself, well, nothing's going to happen. And it may be true that nothing will happen. But we've learned that if everybody in Florida takes that position, you know what? A lot of people suffer. A lot of people are hurt economically, Many more people die, and they suffer in the long term. But if all of us together take certain precautions, we've learned that it reduces the harm to everyone who actually faces the direct hits and the near direct hits. And that's why Floridians are accustomed. Sometimes we just have to escape, right? Sometimes you just have to go, and you have to go soon enough. We've also learned some things like this. Have batteries in your flashlight. We've learned have water. Have enough supply of water, right? Have canned goods. Have a can opener that's not electric. <laughs> you know, I, I, I do know people who moved to Florida and they did lose electricity but what was most shocking to them is that their microwave wouldn't work. Because <laughs> they only needed it for a minute. And they didn't have the practical wisdom to know what to do, to prepare. Now, everyone who's lived here for a long time can laugh, ha, 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 right? Because we know better. Right? We know that microwaves also require hot water. No, they don't. <laughs> no, we know they require electricity. But how many times have people not thought through all of this stuff and then they put their effort into the wrong things? Do you know that people are hoarding toilet paper right now? <laughs> have you tried to buy toilet paper? Cantor, Aaron, and I were talking about how sometimes when, when people are like in over their heads, they don't know what to do, 
they start doing something that they do know what to do. It may not make any difference. It may actually make things worse. Some people would rather stand in line for a couple of hours to buy toilet paper when they've got enough for three months already. But at least they're doing something. Have you tried to buy sanitizing gel for your hands? I did yesterday. I tried. Yeah, I, I had this moment where I, I just Googled, you know, hand sanitizer. And I found out on, on Google that the Walmart shopping store, the, the grocery store down the street had some and I actually got the right aisle and the number, and I drove over there. But a part of me thought, I doubt it. That was the smart part. I got there, and the shelves were absolutely empty, just like they were everywhere else. But, you know, I, I didn't think, oh, my gosh, now I'm going to die. I don't have hand sanitizer. No, I just... I did the next best thing. I bought pine salt. Now, pine salt is useless in this regard, but it can be used to sanitize surfaces. <laughs> right. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll do something. <laughs> and I got some of that. But it didn't produce a lot of anxiety. And in fact, I was watching TV, and Tony Fauci said, if you don't have hand sanitizer gel, even if you do, you know what to do? Wash your hands. Wash your hands for 20 seconds with soap. Say that one word with me. Soap and hot water, right? Now, I know a lot of people are having difficulty singing through happy birthday twice in order to get to 20 seconds. How many of you have learned that trick? You know, like, I, I can't do it. Some people try to sing the ABCs really slowly. I, 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 can't, I, I, I can't do that either. What I, what I can do is wash my hands slowly. And it goes back to an experience I had. I wore contact lenses for many years. And I learned that uh, um, to deal with my contacts, I have to have perfectly clean hands, including fingertips. And so I learned to soap up really good and, you know, like soap each digit, even the ones that aren't going to touch and, you know, do all that. And I can tell you, after you do that thoroughly, you've gotten close to 20 seconds anyway. And then to rinse it all off, it, it works. If that doesn't work for you, I heard good advice. Imagine that you have been handling jalapenos and habaneros and that you're now about to touch your face and your eyes. And with that thought, wash your hands. And I tell you, you probably wash for 30 seconds in that case. But it's important, it is important to learn to do this very basic thing, to wash. That's very practical. There are other things that people are doing that won't necessarily protect them, but they may actually not get rid of any anxiety. They're unfocused. Fear that helps you prepare and that helps you execute or implement a good plan, that fear can actually cause your anxiety and your worry to reduce and to dissipate. 
Once you look at things, once you name them, even making a list of what you're concerned about, and then the things that have the most likely effect and the highest probability, and, and identifying those things that you need to act on first, and getting your list in order, and then paying attention in doing those things, that will cause your unfocused worry and anxiety to dissipate. And instead of feeling powerless, you'll be feeling like you're doing your best with what you know to do. And that will help you. So by being specific in your focus and recognizing concrete threats and dangers, genuine concerns, it can neutralize anxiety and worry associated with uncertainty. In fact, that's what we're applying today, that, that very thinking. By naming some things today, which we're going to do, will help you see how it can take away worry and anxiety, and you can see how useful it is to focus on the dangers and the threats, and then to have adequate responses worked out. Now, it's important to do think, two things. Prepare, say that with me. Prepare and implement or execute. Let's say that other word. Implement. implement. Yeah, some people like execute, some people are against execution. You know, they associate it with capital punishment or something and then they get all confused. So, in any case, implement, same thing. Put into action, put into practice. Now, there is, there is trouble if you don't prepare, but you just get busy. Isn't that what happened to Aaron? Get busy, Aaron. Do something. Make a God for us. It would have been better if he slowed down and thought through and prepared and made some plans and thought about what he was doing and whether this would really be a good response. So action without preparation can often be useless. Now what about those people who, who love to plan but they don't like to implement? That will also be defeating for you. Plan, 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 prepare, 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 but don't do anything. You make tons of lists, but you don't go through them and execute them. That will also defeat you. So it's the combination of the two. It's preparing well, and it's implementing or executing well. These are the two things that can really make a difference for you. And I want to encourage you to do both. If, if you're a good planner but not a good uh, implementer, then partner with someone who's a good implementer. If you're a good implementer but it's hard for you to sort through all the hundred things you could do, then connect with someone who is a good planner who can narrow things down. Partner somehow so that you end up being able to do both. And by helping us prepare and implement, this kind of fear gives us power and reduces the anxiety and the worry associated with powerlessness. So uh, I'm connecting this to the Torah portion and the contrast because you can use fear in a healthy way. In fact, it's not wise not to be afraid right now. Fear right now can help us prepare and plan. 
but not that unfocused worry and anxiety. That won't help you. That will rob you of strength and power. You don't want to give in to that. And so don't think that that is the choice. I can only be worried and anxious, or I can be in total denial. No, those are not the two choices. Choose useful fear and connect it with good, sound practices of preparation and implementation that, are, that have the character of caution and wisdom together. And that will go well with you. Now, I want to ask Rabbi Yuri to come up here with me. Rabbi Yuri and I, Rabbitson Nina, Rabbitson Sandy, and I, um, Brian Stone and Fran, we've been planning our responses and we've been planning our responses and we've really approaching this not as planning experts because we are not but we're approaching this as shepherds which we are and God has called us to be shepherds and everyone who attends the welcome class or membership class knows this that Jeremiah 23 is very important to us. That God calls shepherds to take care of his flock. And he rebukes shepherds who don't. Now one of the things that God rebukes in those shepherds is that they scatter rather than gather the flock. And you know, that's connected to something. The, the good shepherd at night would gather his flock into the sheepfold. It was a protected, fenced-in area and he would guard the gate and make sure the sheep were inside the sheepfold where they could be protected. The useless shepherd didn't bother. He said, well, if they can graze in the pastures and wander during the day, it doesn't matter what I do. But what would happen is the predators would attack. And, and the poor shepherd, the bad shepherd, didn't care. It's like, well, so what? That's not a good attitude. We are called to watch out for you and to make sure that um, you're fed and you're guided and you're protected, but we also want to make sure you're safe and you're well cared for and that you can remain part of the flock even during times of disruption. That's really important. So we've been thinking about how to stay connected during the coming time of disruption. Now, here, here's a practical thing. We were going to be meeting with people uh, who are wanting to become new members, and Rabbi Yuri wants to share a thought about that. Shabbat shalom. Um, thank you for your patience, and if you are filling out membership applications, and <clears throat> you don't have call from me or SMS message, it doesn't mean that you don't accept it. <laughs> it simply means that we have small pause for this time, Please be patient, and uh, we want to have time to prepare it for what's, what's coming, and we need to be flexible to, to do something that needs to be done. So please be patient, and we, we don't forget about you. It's, everything's fine. Thank you so much for uh, your willing to be part of Beth Israel. It's, it's a great privilege for us. Thank you so much for it. So we will call you. Yeah. For sure. And set up something after 
whatever time of disruption from the coronavirus that we have. So, um, so, so that's, that's one example. Now, here's something else. We want to be able to stay connected with you, and so we have um, a, a congregational record for every member and, and most of you who, who are regulars here. But if we don't have your email and your text number, we won't be able to use that to connect with all of you quickly and simultaneously in the event that we need to. And so this is what we did last night. We emailed everybody who has an email record with us. Now, Rabbi Yuri or I may have your person, we may have personally your email or your phone, but if it's not in the database, then you did not get an email. So here's what I want to do. If you've got your phone, check it and see if there's a text from us. It's a short text, and what does it say? Test. And, and then it's just got one sentence, you know, we're testing our connection with you. Both of them said, I think we just used the same thing or something similar for both. If you got one and not the other, then that means we have one and not the other. So this is what we want you to do. If you got none, take a welcome card from the seat back in front of you, fill it out with your name, clearly written so we know who you are, your email address and your text number so that we can connect with you. Please do that now if you can, and we're going to collect these so that we can update the database uh, immediately. And please, please if you are. Hello? Hello? Yes? Not here? Not here? Yeah. yeah. And if you are a doctor, please be careful. Print it carefully. <laughs> 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 if you are a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> It's an international thing, you know. Yeah, Every we don't country. have any pharmacists on staff who can read your writing. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you got one, like a text, but you didn't get an email, it means we have your text, but we don't have your email. It's just write down your email and your name, of course. If you got the other, it means we have your email, but not your text. So prepare that for us, and then... Um, in a little while, we'll come around and we'll collect those. If, if you're watching by Facebook Live or if you're going home in order to check your devices, then send us an email or a text um, with the missing information so that we have it um, because we'll need it. Uh, it's, it will be very hard to call everybody simultaneously. And if we start, it could be interrupted. We need to use some of this technology. And so we're counting on you to do that. Now, if you are a member of a ministry team and you're on a roster, then your ministry team leader already has some contact information. Maybe not all, but they have some contact information. And ministry team leaders, we will be asking you to send us copies of, of all your rosters and all the contact information you have so that we can have the the most complete resource. Now, if you're not on a ministry, if you're not in a ministry and on a roster, then um, you should join one. 
right? Because th there are a lot of opportunities for service, and even during times of disruption, there are going to be more opportunities for service. But we would ask you to, um, to verify with your ministry team leader that they've got all the information, both email and your text number. Now, if you're currently receiving emails or texts and you're being scheduled on a ministry team, you're on the roster then. That means you are on the roster. And so we have a way of connecting with you. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about Facebook Live. Rabbi Yuri, you want to share any thoughts? Yes, yeah. It probably it's already. Shalom to everyone. Looks like half of the place already in, in Facebook now, yeah? <laughs> How many of you right now are on Facebook watching this while you're here? It's, it's like all of us who text our wife in the other room. Yeah. yeah. So what we're going to try to use Facebook as a platform to have a connection if something will happen or we'll have quarantine in Jacksonville area so we can stay connect connected together and, you know, say hi to each other even during the service, you know, how it's happened right now, you know. Sometimes we are listening to Rabbi David and shh, shh, shh to your wife or to your friend. So, so we can have kind of connection together and sense of community and fellowship. And we will use uh, Facebook because this is the most common uh, platform. And as Rabbi David said yesterday, if you hate Facebook, Pray for Facebook and just, just be in it for a short time for during this time, if this time will happen. Because I know in Ukraine it's already quarantine there and in some cities uh, only gathering less than 200 people can meet together and some cities 60 people and uh, it's, it's coming there too. So soon probably all uh, gatherings will be prohibited in Ukraine. And we discussed with rabbi, uh, rabbis there in Ukraine what to do, and uh, we had the same idea, to use Facebook, leave, to have fellowship together through Facebook, and to have full service with worship, with message, with everything but, you know, digital era. So please, uh, if you don't have Beth Israel website, uh, Beth Israel Facebook site as your friend, Please, please join Beth Israel uh, Facebook. Yes. Now, I know some of you absolutely hate Facebook. How many of you hate Facebook? Congratulations. <laughs> That's fine. You're not alone. <laughs> um, suspend your hate and use it for good. <laughs> but for the time being, this will be an important tool. We, we don't know, and we have no way of knowing when there will be restrictions to us even meeting the way we are today. Just a few days ago, I was talking with a number of other rabbis and telling them that we were getting ready. And some people said, really? Yeah, because nothing's happening yet. And then in Ohio, there was um, you know, a decision by the governor to close all the schools. And the religious organizations were exempt from an order for no large gatherings, but most of them, including uh, 
many of my friends' congregations decided they needed to also stop meeting together physically, even with that exemption. And then in California, um, the religious organizations can get together right now as of yesterday, but there is a limit of 250 people together. But that's not the complicating thing. They, each person has to be six feet away from any other person in order to meet. And that's just not practical. And so even congregations with a lot of space said, you know what, we've got we've to not meet. We cannot fulfill that. And it's one of those edicts where there is penalty and jail time associated with violating it. So you can understand people are serious about this. So if there were a rule that said 500 people is the maximum gathering, that wouldn't by itself affect us. If they said 100, then what we would need to do in general is ask some people who normally come on Saturdays to switch to Friday so we could balance things out. And then between that and the people who won't attend because of health reasons, age, vulnerability, or, or other things, we could sort of balance out and have a small group. But if it comes to that, we may all decide, you know, better to just connect digitally during that time. But we have plans for how we can do live worship, either from the sanctuary or from homes. Um, from our worship leaders' homes. We've got some plans for that, how we can do messages and how we can do communication, but it all requires Facebook Live, and that requires your participation. So whether you like it or not, join with us, and it will, it will help us. Now, uh, just a few more details. The Shalom Center will be closed today. No one will go there after services. We've suspended all <laughs> coffee and meeting and fellowship, ONEGs um, for today, but we've actually decided just under these circumstances for the rest of the month at least, we will not use the Shalom Center at all so that we don't have to clean it up and disinfect it every time. And we really can't meet the CDC standards for uh, food sanitation safety issues right now. So better that we keep it closed and then we'll reevaluate. And then I want to update you on some rapidly changing situations that, that may affect you. Some of you were planning to attend Mel Yari's um, memorial service, life celebration for his wife Arlene who passed away. And it was scheduled for here on um, March 22nd. That has been canceled. It will be rescheduled at some later date when things settle down. Others were planning to attend the uh, life celebration for Bob Cohen, who passed away. This was scheduled for March 29th. It has now been canceled as well. So I wanted to let you know. We are following CDC guidelines, and so as long as we have services, we're not allowing people with cold or flu symptoms to attend services. We're asking people not to shake hands not to hug or kiss at services. We're trying to disinfect all the surfaces that we can. We've suspended the Torah processional tradition of touching and kissing the Torah. Uh, one of my friends has come up with an interesting alternative. It's called a simulated touch. And that is where you reach toward, but you don't actually touch. And then you follow by acting like you're going to kiss your hand, but you don't. 
And I thought, well, that is pretty interesting. We're also asking all vulnerable congregants 60 years old and older to stay at home and to not attend if they have any chronic illnesses or compromised immune systems, if they've been subject to repeated or unresolved acute health issues. And this includes all the adolescents who are over 60. I know, it does. Yeah, I'm here. Um, it's not about him, Haman, no. <laughs> now, especially if you've been battling serious health issues like diabetes, heart disease, cancer, respiratory issues, these are some named um, vulnerabilities from the CDC. Or you have immediate family members that are currently battling those. Exercise extra caution for their safety. One other thing, if you've been in close contact or live with anyone who's traveled internationally recently, you'll need to stay away from congregational activities and what's technically called congregating events for 14 days after first contact or returning home. That's an extra safety. Now, one other thing, personally, Sandy and I have agreed she won't attend any events or services until her post-bronchitis cough and fatigue have ended and her immune system is well-functioning. And um, she's getting better and stronger and actually is uh, really wishing she was here right now. But she agreed not to come so that if she coughs, you all don't look at her. You're like, what's she doing here? But, you know, it's been almost six weeks, I think, since the bronchitis kicked in. And she wanted you to know her hair has grown longer <laughs> during that time period. But she's actually in good spirits, and um, she's bored. I, I don't know what to do about that. I, I'm trying to help, but um, she's been very busy. The rabbis, the Rebetzin, have been really busy working together, planning. And others of you have been joining with us to be prepared for times like this so that we can keep going and we don't get stuck. Some thoughts on, on giving. We want to encourage you to continue to bring your tithes and offerings during the time of disruption. And as I said earlier, our giving platforms, Giving Fire and PayPal, are functioning well. You can use bank pay services and send checks. And this will really help us continue to serve together and to keep the community functioning and healthy during this time. Rabbi, do you want to say anything about this? Yeah, because, uh, yeah, even during quarantine, uh, we're supposed to pay for this place to, you know, to keep going everything. So please uh, consider it, pray for it, and continue to be faithful in this. It's very important for us as a community. Yes, it, it is very important. And this will help us continue to serve together. Now, if you're negatively impacted by the disruption, if you lose your job or your hours are cut back or your business is suffering, please let Rabbi Yuri and me know so we can pray for you and we can stand with you through such a challenge and help you strategize how to prepare. Brian Stone reminded me of something from Proverbs 31, that the wise woman prepares ahead. And um, in, in verse 21 it says, when it snows, this woman has no fear for her household because there are 
clothed with the right clothes. They have what they need. You see, when, you, when you're wise and faithful to God, you prepare, you plan, and you're ready for what you know is coming, even if it's uncertain, some of the details about when and how and to what extent. Well, I want to close with, with this. I want to remind you of something. This is just a season, right? Like there's hurricane season, there's flu season. This is CV-19 season. And we will get through this. And we'll get through this together. We're all together in this, really. And remember this. This is the most important thing. God is with us. We're not alone. And remember this also. We are a mishpocha. We're not alone. No one's alone in this respect. We have God. We have each other. Let's tell each other, chazak, be strong. And let's encourage each other. Let's stay connected together. And we'll stay connected with you. And and let's be ready for all the great ways that God will reveal himself to us during this time. The ways that he'll protect us. The ways he'll provide for us. And for all the great ways that the Lord wants us to serve him and to serve each other. This is going to be an amazing opportunity for us to see God at work and for us to join him in his redemptive work and his work of kindness and compassion and his work in the mishpocha joining us together. As crazy as it is, it will turn into a hafuch moment, I believe, where God takes something that was meant for harm, he gets his hands on it, he turns it around, and he'll turn it into good. He'll bring some good results out of it, even if it's a dangerous situation. He'll use you, he'll use me, he'll use all of us together. And let's be strong in this respect, because if we are, we can help others who will need it. There will be people who are afraid because they can't even name the fears. They haven't prepared because they're filled with worry and anxiety, and they haven't been with someone who gave them the shalom of God that will protect the way they think. So let's be those people who can be useful to others. I want to ask everyone to pass your cards, if you filled out cards, pass them into the center aisles, and can some of the ushers come and collect those cards, and then we'll gather them up right now. And normally we close with the ironic benediction, we're going to do that, but normally we say, if you're standing by yourself, please move. But now we're saying, please find six feet between you and the next person. Uh. About prayer. Yeah, please. Yeah, and uh, also one more last thing. Please consider to pray for each other during this time. Okay, to pray a lot about congregation, about your friends, about about us, about families. Cover each other in prayer. This is the most important thing too. Thank you. Beautiful. Okay, six feet. How many meters it is? Two meters. In, in okay. Europe, you need a little bit longer space. It's two meters. Yeah, it's enough. Yeah. Is, is that closer? Yiva rechecha adonai v'yishmarecha. Ye'er adonai panavelecha v'yichunecha. Yisa adonai panavelecha. V'yasem lecha shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord guard you and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace. 
His shalom, he is the Prince of Peace. Sar shalom, Messiah Yeshua. Amen. 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 Okay,